when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu, and the Toronto Raptors are one win away from the NBA Finals after taking down the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. On the road by a score of 105 to 99 in game five. They have now won three straight against the Bucks. And tonight, I mean, this was just, you know, I mean, game three was just a marathon. Game four was a party. And game five was just about taking care of business, right? The Bucks had a chance to win this game. They had a very real chance to win this game. The Raptors. You know, they did not start well at all. I mean, look, the Bucks got every single advantage you could possibly want in a game like this, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, um, they get out to an 18-3 start, the Bucks. They're up 18-3. The Raptors look like they're about to get blown off the court, kind of like uh, how the Sixers were in Game 5, if you remember from the last series where the Raptors came home and just dusted them, right? It looked to be one of those things. But then the Raptors fight back. They claw back. Um, you know, they use an incredible defensive stretch where for the first six minutes of the second quarter, the Bucks only had two points. And during that time, the Raptors just slowly chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, got themselves close, stayed within the game. It was a three-point game heading into the fourth quarter, and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Um... So normally I would just, you know, so normally I, I don't go back and uh, you know rewatch the game. Normally I just like try to record as quickly as possible. But today I had to make sure to go back and rewatch the fourth quarter on League Pass after coming home um, from Pfizer Forum just so I can have this correct. All right, because Kawhi, in my estimation, played the finest quarter in Raptors history, and so let me just. Uh, let me just set that up right here because, again, the fourth quarter was all about Kawhi and the Raptors brought the home. Just got to get my beverage here because I got to really enjoy this. All right. Um, so, Raptors down three. Start the fourth quarter. What does Kawhi do? First thing he does, steals the ball off a wild Giannis drive. Um, you know, takes it the full length of the court, scores over two guys. It's a one-point game. All right, pretty good. Then, next possession down, gets Chris Middleton, one-on-one. Chris Middleton tries to push him to his left, which is supposed to be the weaker side, but uh, Kawhi stops on a dime, pulls up from the elbow area, two points. Then, Kawhi drives the paint, collapses everybody, kicks it out. Fred Emily's wide open in the corner, splash. Kawhi, by the way, tonight, nine assists, career high. Then, the Bucks call timeout. At this point, I think the Raptors had taken the lead. And, the, you know, Mike Boonholder decides, all right, I got to change it up. I, I can't play Kawhi one-on-one. This is untenable. So what he decides instead is because the Raptors have been getting so much penetration and kicking it out and stuff like that, so he just wants to limit all that by going to a switching scene. The problem is he kept Brooke Lopez out there um, at center. And so Brooke Lopez gets matched up with Kawhi Leonard on an ISO. Kawhi, the first time he sees this happen, immediately pulls up for three, Nails one in, in Lopez's eye. Then the next play down, Raptors kind of like, you know, pitch the ball back and forth, but ultimately it's going to be Kawhi. It's pick and roll. He gets switched on the um, Lopez. This time Lopez is on a little bit higher. Kawhi steps back, hits another three. All right. Um, and then a couple possessions later, Kawhi drives in the paint, gets fouled, hits two free throws. Then Kawhi drives along the baseline, collapses the defense. And it was actually kind of funny because Reggie Miller, I usually don't like his commentary, but he was he had a great fourth quarter because he was saying everything that was – he was calling on everything. And literally on this play, he says, right as Kawhi passes the ball to Gasol, he says, yo, Gasol's got to make one of these threes right here. 
And uh, right in that moment, Leonard kicks it out to Gasol. Gasol hits a three. And that, by, the, by the way, at that point, Gasol had no baskets, no points. <laughs> it was just in that moment. We're five minutes left in the fourth quarter in a game where the Raptors, I mean, the Raptors had a five-point lead at that point. But still, um, I mean, for Gasol to hit that three in that moment was incredible. Kawhi kicks it out to Gasol for three. And then Kawhi, uh, you know, on the other end, Malcolm Brogdon gets uh, switched on to actually. I think Pascal had the primary assignment on him for most of the fourth quarter. But Brogdon drives past Pascal, and he had a beat for the layup. But Kawhi helps at the last second, gets a block, secures possession. Then um, on the next possession, Kawhi attacks the defense. Uh, the defense kind of overreacts, actually, because Kawhi's not actually doing too much. At this point, he's a little bit tired. You can understand because he's hit all these shots and made all these defensive plays and passes and stuff like that. Um, but Fred does a really smart thing by spacing and relocating around Kawhi's isolations because everyone, all five defenders on the Bucks, are concerned with how do we stop Kawhi. At this point, while everyone else is distracted, Fred sneaks around a screen by Marcus Saul, and it just so happens that there was, I don't know, a puddle of sweater or something on the ground. Um, Chris Middleton slips, Kawhi sees it, immediately finds Van Vliet, hits another three. And then, <laughs> on the next possession down, Kawhi uh, shoots a three, it clanks, he somehow dives in for his own offensive rebound, wins it over everybody, like he's at the three-point line and when he shot the shot, and somehow he got all the way to the paint to get the rebound. Then, um, you know, in sort of his momentum is carrying him out of bounds anyway, but Giannis pushes him out of bounds as he's driving along the baseline trying to kick it out. And uh, he hits some free throws. Um, next possession down. He drives. He's fouled by Giannis. Uh, some more free throws. Um, and at this point, I mean, at this, at this point, the Bucks are just making all sorts of mistakes. Like, you know, like Kawhi's having, again, one of the finest quarters. Oh, by the way, he, he finishes the quarter with uh, – you know, a key inbound play where the Raptors are up three points. They need to get the ball inbounds. Um, and Nick Nurse calls timeout. He puts all four guys lined up in a line, uh, basically at the free throw area. You know, there's some screens or whatever, but Kawhi ultimately is the one who cuts the backcourt, receives the inbound pass. Three Bucks defenders converge on Kawhi because obviously this is an opportune time to trap. There's like, I mean, he's, you know, uh, you know, below half court. And the Raptors are, it's a one possession game, and there's like 24 seconds or something left on the clock. So this is a great time to trap. The Bucks send three guys at Kawhi. And Kawhi throws this perfect pass where it's over the likes of Giannis and Brooke Lopez, which is not easy to do. Those are very tall guys, they got long arms, whatever. Kawhi throws this pass just perfectly enough over those guys, but not far enough so that Eric Bledsoe would come intercept the pass. Instead, the ball lands perfectly in Kyle Lowry's hands. Kyle then immediately swings the ball off because um, Chris Middleton was converging. And it really, the refs could have called a foul there, but Kyle did get rid of the ball immediately. And there was no call. The ball finds Siakam in the corner, and Siakam immediately makes the read, goes in for the dunk, five-point game, game over. And so, like I said, Kawhi played a phenomenal game. I mean, like the best quarter in Raptors history. I, I don't I – don't, I can't imagine another one better than this. I really can't. Um, you know, just off the immediate memory, you know, Kyle, game seven against the Heat was pretty good in the fourth quarter. Hit a bunch of threes. Mike Breen said, bang! Um, Bismack Biombo had that one sequence where he blocked Dwayne Wade and got some rebounds. Like, this is none of that is close. Kawhi took over in this game. He said, I won this game. I'm the best player on the floor tonight. I might be the best player in the NBA and I'm just going to take over. And that's exactly what happened. It was a phenomenal performance. But I got to say, at the other end, too, the Bucks kind of, ah, man, choked is such a rude word. But, I mean, how else do you explain the type of performances, uh, you know, the, the oddities that, that went on in, in the game today? So, when I mean choked, I mean, like, making mistakes that ultimately were within their control to not make these mistakes. They made these mistakes in very crucial times, and they lost the game because of it, right? And and the way I'm looking at it is the Raptors got five offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. The Bucks are, throughout the season, they were the best defensive rebounding team in the league, and the Raptors, for most of this game, didn't even try to attack the offensive glass because they needed to send everyone back in transition, and um, 
And so they basically just said, we're not going for the offensive glass. But in the fourth quarter, the Raptors made a point to go collect some of their misses. Again, it's it's a little bit easier to rebound your misses when you got one guy who's scoring at will, so the rest of the guys can just get into position and stuff. Um, nevertheless, like you know, five offensive rebounds, including one where, okay, so it's a little fluky. Kawhi takes a turnaround jump shot in the post. It glances off the underside of the basket, and it's and Gasol somehow out wrestles Brooke Lopez for it. And this is right as the shot clock's expiring. Um, and Lopez fouls Gasol. Now, initially, it was called uh, a shot clock violation because it didn't look like the shot, the ball had actually touched the rim. They go review the play, found out it did deflect off the rim, and that becomes two free throws for Marc Gasol at a point where it's a two-point game with like 35 seconds left. I don't know what the hell you're doing there, but you got to get that rebound immediately because they got the stop on Kawhi that they wanted to. But they, they make that mistake, right? It's, it's hard to say that's not a choke. Um, the one play where Kawhi gets his own rebound off his own three-pointer. That's a choke. I don't understand. You got to get your own – you got to get that rebound. Right? What are you talking about? The guy's at the three-point line. Of all people, you can't let him get the rebound. And of all – and, uh, and just, I don't even know what Giannis was thinking. Like, why would you foul Kawhi Leonard in that situation? He's trapped along the baseline. He's literally falling out of bounds trying to throw a prayer back inbounds. There's no need to push him whatsoever. That's a choke. And then on the play after the Marcus saw, you know, the free throw or whatever. So Mark gives them a chance because he leaves the door open by hitting the first free throw with the push to lead to three. And he misses the second free throw. So there's a chance. And then what do the Bucks do? Instead of getting the ball into Giannis's hands or maybe calling timeout or whatever they wanted, could have done a lot of things with that. Instead, Eric Bledsoe rushes up the floor for no good reason. Everyone is tired. There's no transition opportunity. Kyle Lowry tracks him all the way. Bledsoe leaves his feet to make a pass. He barely gets it to Brogdon in the corner, who's already covered by Pascal. Pascal made a great decision there not to overhelp on Bledsoe, but instead to recover to the corner shooter. And so it, it was lucky in the first place that Brogdon even caught the pass from Bledsoe. This is just completely stupid. And I don't know what the hell you would want to Like, there was just no point of that as a point guard. And then, just so it happens, Brogdon is then trapped against a bigger player uh, in Siakam, who's a little bit quicker. And what happens? The loose ball is produced. He can't dribble out of the corner. And upon review, it's shown that Brogdon, the, the ball slips off his leg. And that's essentially the game. And then on the ensuing possession, you say, so you send three guys to trap Kawhi. Okay, that's one thing. But again, this was like... They could have fouled. They could have done a lot of things there. They could have done a lot of things. But instead, the Raptors are able to get a dunk out of it, uncontested dunk, to push a three-point game into a five-point game. And this is with, like, 26 seconds left. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many points where the Bucks could have made some better decisions, and they just didn't. And what it really comes down to is experience. Like, experience, you know, I said early in the series, I was like, man, the Raptors look too experienced. They look kind of tired or whatever. I don't know. That was that. That was at a time where I should have known better. Like the Bucks had like a bunch of days off in a row. The Raptors are coming off that exhausting Sixers series. They're playing on the road. Like yeah, of course the Raptors can play with less energy at that time. Now we're deep into the series. The Bucks look kind of tired to me. The Bucks look kind of tired. Uh, and now that's when experience matters because experience is knowing what to do in situations instead of having to think about what you got to do. And I think the Bucks really had to think a lot and a lot and really hard about what they wanted to do in the fourth quarter, whereas the Raptors just executed. Now, it helps to have a legitimate superstar closer in Kawhi Leonard, who, unlike Giannis on the other end, Kawhi can get his own shot, Kawhi can get someone else a shot, Kawhi can hit some free throws, Kawhi can dribble the basketball, Kawhi can dunk the basketball, Kawhi can rebound. I mean, Kawhi can do it all. Kawhi can play defense, he can block shots, he can steal. Giannis going to do a lot of things, but in the fourth quarter, I mean, Giannis has six points, three shots in, in the fourth quarter as the best player. And this is the thing with the Bucks, right? Like, who is their closer? Who? Like, honestly, I thought, like, Chris Middleton was their closer or something. You know what I mean? Like, and he was having a terrible game. He had a baseline drive for a layup. Cool. That's about, that's all he did in the fourth quarter. Other than that, he, other than that, he fouled Kawhi like four times. Um... You know, past that, I was like Brogdon, who got a couple driving layups. It's like, you're not going to win games against the Raptors with Malcolm Brogdon. I like Brogdon. I do. I think he's really good at driving the basketball. He's very strong. He makes quick decisions. Good three-point shooter. You know what I mean? Like, you know, solid defender. Like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But, like, come on. At the end of the day, we're talking about Malcolm Brogdon closing the game against Kawhi Leonard. And why are those guys closing the game? It's because Giannis can't close the game. What is he? What was Giannis doing? He hit a fluky three-pointer that literally on the broadcast, they were like, whoa. 
I can't believe that he did that, right? No one in the arena expected him to hit that shot. And he hit that three-pointer, and then he got uh, a pair of free throws where Kawhi stepped in for a charge. Giannis put his elbow in his face, and, you know, by the laws of basketball in Milwaukee, that is a foul on the defense. And so Giannis got two free throws there. Of course, he split it because, you know, he can't really consistently hit free throws. What did Giannis shoot today? Four of nine. Four, four of nine. And this is without... Uh, Without the mocking, the mockery of Drake, the illegal mockery. How dare he? How dare Drake, as a fan of the team sitting courtside, cheer when an opposing player airballs a free throw? I mean, just this disgusting behavior. We have to arrest Drake for that, of course, right? Uh, at least according to the Milwaukee fans, there, man, they really dislike Drake. It's actually funny how much they're concerned about Drake when their team has actually lost three straight now after blowing an 0-2 lead. But, um, but seriously, like, I, I, Giannis was great throughout the game. You know, in transition, he's great. You know, at one point, he, like, dunked all over Danny Green and, like, you know, flexed and did all this stuff. And it's like, all right, so in the fourth quarter, in a half-court game, what's Giannis going to do? And it, and if the Raptors just make their rotations correctly on defense, he's going to charge in and he's going to make bad decisions. There was one play where Giannis drove in on the fast break against five Raptors defenders. Five Raptors defenders all had a foot or more in the paint, and Giannis drives straight into the body of Marcus and looks for a call. Doesn't get it. The whole crowd goes, there's a foul. It's not a foul. Like, what you should do as a star in that case is kick it out to literally anybody. Like, the whole system is a bunch of shooters around Giannis. He's going to drive. Someone's going to help. That's help. Five guys in the paint is help. And what does Giannis do? He makes the wrong read. He turns it over. Raptors score the other way. You know what I mean? And, and this is and this inexperience. Inexperience comes in here. And <laughs> Again, like it, it, it just stands as stark contrast to a guy like Kawhi, who in the fourth quarter scores 15 points. He's very calm, beats literally every situation the Bucks throw at them. Right? Bucks try to like play him one on one with like Middleton. He scores. They try to like you know. All right, we'll switch. We'll put we'll Lopez on you. He scores. All right, then fine. We'll um, trap you and we'll send extra defenders. He finds the open man. And even around all of that, he still makes hustle plays and stuff like that. Plays defense. I mean. It's the difference between these two teams. But seriously, this was a a phenomenal game all around. Very enjoyable to watch uh, as a Raptors fan, definitely. Because, you know, I think this game actually encapsulates a lot of what the Raptors have shown throughout the playoffs in the sense that, um, you know, there are teams with certain identities. um, And the Bucs are certainly one of them. Like, they have Giannis. And they have shooters, and they're going to run kind of the same play every single time down. And no, not the same play, but the same relative actions. I'm not even decrying their offense. I'm just saying, like, it, it is a concerted strategy on their part. Spread the floor, have guys drive, you know, whatever. Um, And you look at, it, like, you know, even the previous opponents, like the Sixers, um, you know, they had an identity. Uh, it was weird because they had multiple identities. There was, there was Jimmy Butler's team, and there was Joel Embiid's team, and there was, like, the J.J. Redick team with, like, the dribble handoffs and shit. Like, whatever. But they had identities, right? And Orlando clearly had an identity as, you know, we're happy to be here. Um, whereas the Raptors, like, I always felt like, you know, with the way Nick Nurse coaches a team and the, with how much inconsistency happened throughout the season in terms of injuries and this and that, whatever, like, he had to build – he had to basically adapt on the fly. And I think what the Raptors have shown is like they're like a they're like a counterboxer. You know what I mean? Like they lay wait for the other guy to throw the punch, see the openings, and eventually they'll solve and figure out the game. And I think, you know, you you saw in this series, right? I mean, first of all, you saw it in um <laughs> and then losing game one in Orlando and then having to figure it out. And then against the Sixers, they lose games two and three. Embiid is doing the airplane and stuff like that. And then the Raptors figure out, okay, you know, these are the adjustments we got to make. We got to go bigger. We got to put Gasol and and, and, uh, Ibaka together. We got to have Gasol always match Embiid's minutes. We got those defensive lineups here and here and here. And then, you know, on top of all that, Kawhi hit some, you know, ridiculous two game winners in seven games. I mean, Kawhi is so good. But, um, and in this series, they go, they fall down 0-2, right? Just like in the start of this game, they fall down 18 to three, right? And the Raptors really just had to figure out what are we going to do, what's the actual game plan to beating the Bucks, and how do we execute that? And like they have the right strategy. Like I don't know what else you say after three games, three straight wins. The Bucks haven't lost three straight all year. They haven't had, they haven't had adversity all year. I mean, goddamn, they played a, a seamless regular season, right? Nobody gets hurt until the very end. Okay, so all, all of a sudden, Miritich goes out for a little bit, and, and Brogdon goes out for a little bit. But it doesn't even throw them off at all. Like, you know, it's just 
that's not adversity. I wouldn't say Nikola Meritich spraining an ankle in March when you already have the number one seed locked up is adversity. No, it's not adversity. After you've been sneaking up on teams all year. And then in the first round, they get, what, Blake Griffin without – sorry, the Detroit Pistons without Blake Griffin, so they stand no chance, plus Dwayne Casey's coaching that team. So yeah, I didn't, I, I, that's not even fair to Slander Dwayne, but it is funny that he got swept for the fourth time in five years. Anyway, but they get the Pistons in round one. Okay, so, like, literally uh, the, the gift of all gifts, you get the Pistons. Even a healthy Pistons team was getting smacked up by 20 points regularly by the Bucks this season. Second round, you get the Celtics, who in game one, they hit a bunch of shots, and they're like, oh, we're great. Look, see, look all the talent that we have. And then it turns out the Celtics are frauds, and they lose in five games. <laughs> and, and you know, Kyrie turns into a really unathletic Russell Westbrook and, you know, the rest of the six. I mean, like, honestly, I was watching that series, and I was thinking, like, who's the best player on the floor here? Is it, like, Jalen Brown? Is it, like, Al Horford? Is it, you know what I mean? Is it Marcus Morris? Like, the Celtics were just completely dysfunctional. And in terms of a second-round opponents, with the way the Celtics were shooting themselves in the foot, like, yeah, that's not adversity to me. I'm sorry, that's not. Losing game one is not adversity. Uh, as a Raptors fan, I could tell you that game, losing game one happens all the time, and teams overcome that all the time, as the Raptors have shown. Uh, and then they finally get to the Raptors. They win two games. They feel all great. I remember, you know, I was feeling like shit after game two. And again, I apologize for... Uh, de- declaring that the series was heavily in favor of the Bucks at that point. It really did look like it. Uh, obviously, that has changed. But I remember sitting in the podium there, uh, you know, after the game, and they were asking Giannis, who was sitting up there, you know, making a little jokes with Brooke Lopez, and I forget who else, George Hill was with him, maybe? I don't know. They always like to have Giannis have another guy with him, as if he doesn't speak English well enough after, you know, being in America for, what, six years now? I don't know why he has to have a buddy with him, but... um. Anyway, yeah, so they're all sitting on the podium, and someone asks, you know, like, and you know, people are asking questions, and Lopez is, like, making jokes, but, oh, I'll take this one for you. Uh, you know, Giannis, like, you know, I got this for you. And, you know, George Hill stepping in for Giannis. And the one question that I remember Giannis actually volunteering to answer was the final question where they asked him, hey, what do you guys got to do going on the road against the Raptors? And Giannis basically looked at him and was like, look, we just got to focus on ourselves. We don't have to worry about what the Raptors do. If we take care of ourselves, we're going to win. And I thought, I mean, I understood where the confidence is coming from. You know, you had breezed through the entire playoffs, breezed through the regular season, and you're up 2-0, and you had just smacked the Raptors in game two like it was never close. But for Giannis to say that, like, yo, like, it's just about us. It's not even about the Raptors. I was like, okay, so that's that's where the confidence stands. And then game three happens. The Raptors kind of figure out, look, we got to build this wall against Giannis. We got to chase certain shooters off the line, right? Uh, Marcus Gasol has to not get destroyed by uh, Brooke Lopez, which is within his capabilities. And after game one, Marcus Gasol has thoroughly outplayed uh, Brooke Lopez. You, you, you know, there's no Brooke Lopez moments. Like, there's one where he hit a, a super clutch three today. But, like, what did Brooke have tonight, actually? Brooke had... Oh, 16 points. Not, that's not bad. That's not bad for Brooke Lopez. But seriously, Marcus has outplayed Brooke Lopez uh, in, in the games thereafter. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, they, they just kind of figured it out. And, and the Raptors have, you know, obviously double overtime. That was an exhausting game. But I thought the Raptors outplayed the Bucks throughout that game. They had two chances to close it out, up four in the final minute in regulation and in overtime. You know, but the the end result there was the Raptors got the win because they played great defense. They shut down the Bucks, and you know, game four we see what happens. Kawhi's tired, but the rest of the team picks him up. And again, a great defensive effort against the Bucks. Raptors smacked them, and then they come into this game. And at this point, the Raptors know what they got to do. They really know what they got to do. Right? There are certain points where they're going to. Well, first off, the number one key is limit the Bucks in transition, and the way you do that is really about not turning the ball over and committing dumb uh, taking dumb shots. The Bucks don't actually pressure you that much. And so if you just make sure you take care of the basketball by not throwing careless passes and be not taking bad shots. And I mean taking bad shots. I don't mean to single Danny Green. But here's an example of taking a bad shot against the Bucks, all right? So Raptors, I think were they had fought back into the game. It was like maybe the Bucks were up 45, 43 or something like that. And it was like 30 something seconds left and Pascal Siakam had early – he had run down the court early to set up post position against George Hill, and Kyle Lowry was dribbling down the floor, and Danny Green was trailing right behind Kyle. 
And I didn't think Kyle should have hit Danny in the first place. I think Kyle should have just like settled it down and throw it in. But whatever, he hit, he passed it to Danny. And Danny decides to take a random pull-up three in transition that was highly contested. He was on the move. He wasn't shooting all up in that point. He clanks it. There's a long rebound. Bucks go the other way. Giannis gets fouled. Hits two free throws. That's a big swing because you could have just slowed it down, put the ball into the post, got a good shot with Siakam on, uh, on George Hill, but instead they take a bad shot, it goes the other way. That's what they need to cut out, those bad shots, bad shots and turnovers. If the Raptors can do that um, and keep the Bucks out of transition, then they're fine because, honestly, the Raptors' half-court defense is fucking amazing. It, I'm, I'm, I apologize for swearing, but it's fucking amazing, right? And it, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess. Like, they have two defensive players of the year on the team. And, like, as much as I would like to criticize Giannis, he is a phenomenal player. He's an MVP. But what's an MVP to two defensive players of the year? He's getting guarded by Kawhi and then and then Marcus Gasol. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to solve all that in half court? And Mark, obviously, game one, um, he didn't make shots. And I think he got tired towards the end. And it, it wasn't great. But at least Raptors' defense was good in game one. Game two was really bad. You saw Mark was a non-factor. And uh, was honestly actively a minus, and the, it's not coincidence that the Raptors had their best, def- uh, the worst defensive game of the series in Game Two when Mark wasn't in the game much. Um, but in Games Three, Four, and Five, Mark has been tremendous defensively, tremendous, and uh, you know he's his just, his IQ is just so high in terms of when to come help against Giannis while also climbing out to the three point line, d- just. It's just everything has been perfect. And and Mark's also been doing a great job of boxing out. The Raptors have done a better job as the series has gone on in terms of winning the rebounds, defensively especially. In the last two games, the Raptors have actually out-rebounded the Bucks on the offensive end as well as, you know, doing a better job securing defensive rebounds. Um, and, you know, so, look, if you can get the Bucks into a half-court situation, if you can wall off Giannis and then get back to the right shooters and, you know, Look, the Bucks like they said it today, like, oh, you know, we're the best three point shooting team and we believe in ourselves and stuff. And I was like it's like, yeah, cool, but like who who's that dead eye shooter on the Bucks? Like I, I get the whole system, right? Giannis, you know, draws extra defenders, he kicks it out, there's an open three and there's whatever. That's that sounds good on paper. But first off, the Raptors rotations are great. Like they are always, always putting pressure on the Bucks shooters. And you can see that by the by the percentages. The Bucks have not sh- this is actually the- tonight was the Bucks' best performance from three percentage wise, and they shot thirty two point three percent. That's the best out of five games that they've shot, and um, and and, a, and a, an additional point is the fact that the Raptors actually limited the Bucks to only thirty one attempts. Previous games they've been firing up like forty forty five, no problem. So the Raptors' defense has been great, but also like they're running the right guys off the line. It's like one thing if like okay if Giannis wants to take a three. Fine. He had two or three today, including one in the fourth quarter. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Eric Bledsoe hit some threes in early on in the game. You know, he had finished with 20 points. I'm fine with it. Like, if he wants to take some threes, it's fine. Those guys are not good shooters. What I want to do is run Chris Middleton off the three-point line. Chris Middleton only had two three-point attempts in 36 minutes. This is after he had a 30-point game. Um, you know, you want to run Malcolm Brogdon off the line. Uh, you want to run George Hill off the line. Those guys are probably the guys that you really need to focus on. Brooke Lopez, you can late contest on. Nikola Mirotic is lost at sea. I can't believe the Raptors wanted to trade for Nikola Mirotic and instead got Marcus Gasol's plan B. If the reports are correct that Marcus Gasol was indeed plan B, I mean, what a plan B this was because I would much rather have Marcus Gasol than Nikola Mirotic right now. Um, you know, okay, Ilya Sova, whatever, like, you know, like, you just make sure you close out on the right guys, leave the right guys open. They're they're fine. Like if ultimately you're gonna lose a game because Eric Bledsoe hits like five threes, then fine. I, have, I you know I would like to see it, but I realistically that's not gonna happen. And Giannis is not gonna hit like five threes either. So like you know, Raptors have done a good job there defensively. And on the other end, it's just about the Raptors figuring out how to attack. And you know they've used different strategies. And this is what I mean by the Raptors being adaptable. Like they they have played different games throughout this. Like game one was about Kyle exploding. Okay, cool. Um. Game two, let's just forget game two. That was a disaster all around. But in game two, they figure out some stuff. You know, they can get away with a lot of Ibaka. They can get away with a lot of Norm. Fred can actually, you know, do some stuff in terms of his playmaking to kick out and stuff like that. His defense is pretty good. Game three was all about Kawhi carrying them in the four, in, in the double overtime. But that was a weird situation because, like, Norman fouled out. Kyle fouled out. Danny was not effective. Fred was shooting bricks. Like, you know, it, it was it was a tough game, but they figured it out. Mark figures out some stuff with the high pose and stuff. 
Game four, they put it all together. The whole team comes in. Kyle shoots a bunch of uh, free throws. He's really opportunistic there, you know. And and that was game four was just such a strange game in the sense that like Pascal had like seven points and Kawhi, you know, was pretty limited. Although he still had like sixteen. Um, but the rest of the team picks him up. You know, Mark has a great game again. His playmaking is great. Um, the rest of the Raptors step in. Fred hits a bunch of shots. You know. Uh, Norm hits a bunch of shots, and today, I mean, the formula was just, you know, basically the formula was just, <laughs> let's, let's just stay alive, let's try to get some offense, you know, some decent offense down every every single time. I thought, um, you know, Kawhi was obviously great throughout, and obviously incredible in the fourth quarter, but just throughout the game, the Raptors were not shooting well offensively. I mean, they only shot 37% from the field, but what the Raptors did do a good job of was uh, spacing the floor, stretching the bucks out, forcing them to rotate, and attacking the paint with force. And Kyle Lowry was ahead of that today. He takes eight free throw attempts. It's not usual for Kyle to take so many free throw attempts. Like, throughout the season, you know, I mean, previously Kyle used to be a guy who drives all the time, and he was great. But, you know, especially in these last two games, ten free throw attempts in game four against the Bucks, and eight tonight. He really set the tone in terms of driving into the paint. But, you know, the Raptors just attacked hard. Like, Norm had six free throws. Serge Ibaka got four free throws. Kawhi got eight free throws. You know what I mean? Like, or nine free throws. Like, the Raptors just kept attacking the paint. And where they got it done tonight was a free throw line, 25 or 31. And I know Bucks fans are crying. I know Mike Boonholzer was crying after the game. He was like, man, I just feel like Giannis should get more free throws. And that's cool. But listen, man, when, when you're four of nine for the free throw line, wishing more of that is, I mean, what are you really saying? What, what are you really, really saying? But, um. But yeah, the Raptors put a lot of pressure on the on Milwaukee's defense. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just going hard to the basket. Like the Raptors aren't actually shooting well at the basket, but for they got a bunch of contact. They did well there. Getting into the part of the defense also put people out of position. So the Raptors can get some offensive rebounds. And ultimately, it was about shot making. Like the Raptors hit eighteen of forty three from deep for forty two percent. And obviously, Kawhi was great in that department. He hit five of eight. But um, really, the only other guy that hit a tremendous amount of three-pointers was Fred Van Vliet, who, I mean, he is the hero of this game. He Beyond Kawhi Leonard, you know, Fred Van Vliet shooting seven three-pointers uh, for 21 points and a, as a plus 28 in 37 minutes, he is the unsung hero of this game. And the, again, like the Raptors have figured out every a bunch of different ways to win games, and today was was really about, you know, guys stepping up, making shots, and, and uh, Fred, what a performance. He explained after the game, um, you know, he's been he's been on this crazy, hectic schedule. So, like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I had the specific dates right, but, like, right before game four, it was, uh, you know, he found out that his, uh, his girlfriend's water had broken, and so he had flown um, to Rockford, Illinois. He spent the night there. And then he flew back on the day of game four, probably landed around like three o'clock, said he got a nap, and then he played the game. He had a great game, 13 points, four or five shooting, three or three from deep, uh, you know, for Fred um, in game four. And then the night after that, that same night, he flies back out. Um, sorry, he, then, then he flies with the Raptors to Milwaukee. Then because his home his hometown of Rockford is, is like beside Chicago, which is like like an hour and 15 minutes away from Milwaukee. Like, so Fred drives from Milwaukee, um, you know, goes to spend the night with his, uh, with family again, you know, and, and finally that, you know, they were discharged and stuff like that. And the morning of Fred then <laughs> goes back to Milwaukee for the game five today, um, catches another nap. And then he has this amazing performance. And, you know, it was funny. Like Danny Green was talking, was joking before the, you know, during shoot around, it's like you know, it's weirdly enough. You like you don't sleep, you know, you're, but you you have all this like uh, relief, and you know, players tend to actually play better after having having kids. And <laughs> I mean, this is what happened. This is what happened for Fred. Fred, Fred Senior. Fred Senior, by the way, shooting eighty three percent from three. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I guess I don't know what I don't know what you want to call it. You know, the just good karma, like the. The baby, the baby glow or whatever, but Fred was amazing tonight, and he was so good that he, you know, he played thirty-seven minutes. Nobody complained one bit, and you know how much heat Fred has been catching all playoffs. Now we have finally figured out one of the reasons behind that. Obviously, is that you know, in addition to being, you know, um, outmatched in terms of size in the Sixers series, um, you know, he's been dealing with all this. You know, it can be easy to you know, prepare for birth and stuff like that. 
Um, but I mean, you know, uh, you know, th- no one is taking more heat than Fred, and people are calling him unplayable. And true, there was honestly at times he was unplayable. He really was in that sixty series. I mean, he had he played seven games at seven points total. Um, but I mean, he's bounced back in a huge way, and today he was a hero. Like you know, right after Brook Lopez hits his three, where like Brogdon, you know, gets his own rebound, saves it right somehow to Brook as he's diving out of bounds, and Brook immediately swishes a three. Like at that point, the game's tied. It looks like the Bucks still have a chance to really pull away, and it would have been gut wrenching because the Raptors had controlled the fourth quarter for the most part, thanks to Kawhi. But then, who hits the three right afterwards in response to get the Raptors' three-point lead? Fred. So, you know, I'm real happy for Fred. I'm, I'm really happy for Fred, uh, and I'm really happy they had this performance. But this is just a great game all around, man. <laughs> this is just—I mean, the Raptors are one game away from the NBA Finals. They're one game away from the NBA Finals, and um, and we're talking about an NBA Finals, by the way. And not to get ahead of myself, not to get ahead of myself, because they still got to play Game Six. But if they get to the finals, it's already been announced that KD is not going to play game one at least, and he, he may not return for the entirety of the playoffs. Um, you know, he's got a strained calf. Obviously, we've got to see game to game. He's obviously not going to be 100%. We've seen what Pascal has been doing on a, on, a, on a bad calf. It's not the same Pascal as we've seen all year. Um, and, you know, the Warriors rotation is kind of short as it is. Now, granted... I mean, they just swept the, the Blazers, and they took two off the Rockets. They're still an incredible team. That 73-win core is still there. But if the Raptors – I mean, if the Raptors get to go to the finals, they will have home court, which is important. The Raptors spent uh, the last couple weeks of the regular season trying to get home court, not against Milwaukee, but against Golden State. And it really paid off because I think they had the tiebreaker. Um, and, and it came down to the last day where the Raptors got home court. So the Raptors will start in Toronto. The weather's gonna be beautiful. Kawhi's gonna be there, and um, and and look, I don't want to call the Warriors under him under man because obviously they got like multiple All Stars and stuff. I wouldn't. No one's gonna cry poor for them. But I mean, at the same time, no KD. I mean, Steph is playing great, but I feel like the best player in that series is Kawhi. And so you got home court and you got the best player in the series. And I know it's the Warriors. I know they're like, you know, they're three time champions, two time reigning. But there's a window there. There's a real window there, and the Raptors are one game away from that. And so they got to go home, take care of business on Saturday. It's shaping up to be a wonderful, wonderful weekend in Toronto. Um, the Bucks obviously not to be underestimated whatsoever. They're a great team. They are a lethal team, and they can do some damage. But at the same time, the Raptors have won three straight. This is a team that is, for the Bucks at least, they are finally facing adversity. They're not responding well to it. And like, they, I, I, like I said today, there are multiple points today where I feel like they choked the game away. As much as the Raptors won this game, the Bucks also choked the game. And so, I don't know. If the Raptors can come out, take the Bucks early, you know, first punch. You know, if the supporting players can get into a rhythm at home. If the Bucks can, you know, um, I don't know. The Bucks will be desperate. And look, if I'm if I'm the Bucks, I'm, I'm really feeling bad because, like, Bud played all his cards. Like, all the cards are out there. You know, like, the last cards we played in this series was Malcolm Brogdon starting in place of Nikola Miritich. Um, you know, that's been the rap, the Bucks uh, starting lineup all season because of, uh, you know, Brogdon's injury. So Miritich gets in, whatever. And they, they, they get through the, uh, yeah, the Celtics with that. And so they stuck with it. But I mean, you know, Brogdon was clearly a better player than Miritich. Miritich is just not having an impact in this series. And if so, he's doing it for the Raptors. And, um, and so they finally make that move. And so, uh, you know, and, and that gets rewarded. Like, you know, they get out to an 18 to three lead, even in the start of the third quarter when the starters versus the starters, like the Bucks extended their lead. Brogdon has, you know, 18 points on eight of 17 shooting with 11 rebounds, six assists. Like you can't really ask for more. He's a plus 18. So you get that. And also you get Eric Bledsoe actually playing like an NBA caliber player. Um, you know, I mean, he had a horrible, horrible series. He's shooting 11 of 45 through the first four games. Today, he comes back strong, opens the game really, really strong, hits a bunch of jumpers, gets a layup, stuff like that. He finishes with 20 points on 6 of 14 shooting with six free throw attempts. That's pretty good for Eric Bledsoe. But, like, I, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. What else are you going to, what else do you want? Like, well, what else do you want? Like, the, the Bucks. Uh, it honestly feels like they have made all their moves and the Raptors just have them solved. That's that's what it feels like to me. Now, granted, Game 6 can go either way, whatever, but 
I, w- I would have the Raptors as heavy favorites, personally. I really would. I mean, the Raptors supporting players play a lot better at home. We've seen, I mean, the last look of the Raptors was game four, and, uh, you know, we saw what the supporting cast did there, and obviously we know what Kawhi looks. Which, by the way, today, I mean, Kawhi looked much, much fresher from, like, shoot around onward. Like, you know, he was just rolling around on his, ro- you know, foam uh, roller or whatever, joking with Serge Ibaka, telling Serge that he still owes him money. You know, he was having a great time. His mood was great. Nick Nurse explained that, look, he gave Kawhi the option because obviously Kawhi has been banged up. That, like, hey, look, listen, if you want to take shoot around off to rest, you can. You know, Kawhi said, no, I want to be there. I want to work on some stuff. And then um, hours later, he uh, that stuff he was working on was the Bucks. That's how it turned out. But seriously, Kawhi is looking a lot better physically. I mean, it's shaping a real good. It's shaping a real good. The Raptors have a chance to close it out on game six at home. So they got to make sure they take care of business. But, uh, again, <laughs> Raptors are one game away from the NBA Finals. And uh, and they're going to be playing with a full, full storm of players. Obviously, OG still hurt, whatever. But Kawhi's, you know, looks all right. Kyle looks all right with his, you know, busted hand and everything like that. You know, Fred's back. Norm's been producing. Serge's been producing. Raps look good, man. Raps look good. So, uh, in terms of your three stars, Kawhi, obviously, number one, 35 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, a career-high nine assists, by the way. Only one turnover, which is really good because the Bucks again, are sending, like, multiple guys at him. Two steals, um... 11 to 25 shooting from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, 8 of 9 from the three-point line. Like I mentioned, he had 15 points and, like, four assists in the fourth quarter. Like, just a tremendous, tremendous game from Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he's the first star. Second star, I'm giving that to Fred VanVleet, obviously. And that's Fred VanVleet Sr., by the way. We don't we don't, we don't, don't even want to talk about the original Fred VanVleet. We just want to talk about Fred VanVleet Sr. Strictly speaking, the senior um, – is uh it looks to be a different man. Looks to be a different man tonight. Twenty one points, seven of thirteen shooting from the field, seven of nine from the three point line. Uh, only one assist. But honestly, I like I like how much Fred was playing off the ball tonight. Uh, obviously, you know, did a really good job, obviously, in knocking down shots. And um, you know, he just kept the team running. Like he was a plus twenty eight in his thirty seven minutes. That's incredible in a game that was only decided by six points. Fred was a plus twenty eight. And, you know, he closed the game. He played the entire fourth quarter. He was so he was playing so well to start the fourth quarter that um, Kyle Lowry was able to sit until, like, the six-minute mark. Like, normally we'd be crying and begging on the timeline for Kyle to come back into the game. But Fred was playing so well, Kyle could just chill. Kyle could just chill. And then when Kyle came in, Fred still closed the game. And I was ahead of Danny Green, who had a really another unforgettable, another forgettable performance. And... Uh, you know, Fred was great, and he spaced the floor, and, you know, he hit some big shots, and again, I'm just really happy for him and his family, and this is just a great moment, and also, you know, it's good fortune, you know, the Raptors just happen to be playing Milwaukee, which is pretty close to Rockford, so he can, you know, you know, go back and forth, but seriously, uh, Fred was just, uh, Fred Sr. Was, was incredible tonight, and then your third star, uh, there's a couple options to go here, I thought Pascal, even though he would look tentative at times, and he got slapped with two quick fouls, but uh, he recovered. I, you know, he had two big blocks in the fourth quarter there. Uh, one on Giannis going one-on-one, trying to go for spin move. Pascal blocks him. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that moment for sure. Uh, it definitely is one of those uh, milestones for for for, for um, Siakam. But, you know, he has 14 points, 13 rebounds, two assists. Uh, made a couple big plays in the fourth quarter. You know, Marcus Gasol hitting that three and also playing great defense throughout. I mean, oh, look, he only has four points, but defensively he was really good. Um, but I got to give it to Kyle Lowry. Like, I mean, Kyle Lowry was just, you know, he was just the, the steadying force. And again, it's not, uh, it's not really about like the scoring necessarily for him, but as he mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's about his aggressiveness. And when he asserts himself on the game, when he drives hard to the rim, uh, you know, when he forces the refs into making these calls, when he attacks and uh, collapses the defense and stuff, he was great. And, and I thought he was you know, one of the best players for the Raptors for the first three quarters. Didn't really have as much of an impact in the fourth quarter outside of reversing that ball quickly to Pascal, who dunked it. But um, Kyle tonight, 17 points, seven rebounds, six assists, a steal. Um, you know, the shooting percentages weren't great, but, like, the seven of eight from the free throw line was pretty good. And, again, in 39 minutes, I mean, I don't know what else you can ask for more from Kyle than 17, seven, and six. So, great performance by the Raptors. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, uh, I got to give that to Eric Bledsoe. Um, 20 points 
is a rarity for him in the series. He really does look lost. Which, by the way, by the Bledsoe making these dumb decisions in the fourth quarter. The two instances where Bled tried to assert himself in the fourth quarter was one, he took a pull-up long two that bricked, which there's just no need for that at any point in the game, but especially in that point where it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. The last thing you want as a Bucks fan is to see Eric Bledsoe say, oh, it's my turn. I'm going to go take a long two and brick it. Like, literally, that's like, first off, the Bucks don't ever want to shoot long twos anyway. But especially if they shoot long twos, they want like a Chris Middleton post up or something like that. Like, they don't want Eric Bledsoe taking these random dumb shots. That was a bad shot. And then that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Gasol splits a pair of free throws. It's a three-point game. Bledsoe races down the floor for no good goddamn reason. Puts Bledsoe – puts um, – Brogdon in a bad spot, and they turn it over. Giannis doesn't even touch the ball. Like, but whatever. But still 20 points uh, by his standards uh, for the series and in, throughout the playoffs, really. You know, pretty good. And in terms of your Patrick Patterson award, uh, that's got to go to Chris Middleton. That's got to go to Chris Middleton. Now, granted, Chris did have 10 assists and 10 rebounds for the rare no points double-double. Having said that, a man who had 30 points in Game 4 only scored 6 tonight, 2 of 9 from the field, 0 of 2 from the three-point line. You know, just he couldn't impact the game with his scoring, and the Bucks really need that. In terms of their half-court score, Middleton's got to be that guy now. He's a little bit over, I'm sorry, he's a little underqualified and overwhelmed in that role, but this kind of is what it is, and Middleton just couldn't do it tonight. So, you know, it was nice that he had some playmaking and stuff like that. That's cool, but, you know, he couldn't do that. He couldn't really guard Kawhi. You know, it's tough. So, yeah, that's the game. That's the game. The Raptors are now, again, they're one game away from the NBA Finals. I can't believe it. Like, I just – and the scenes after the game were great. Great scenes in Pfizer form. Um, You know, lots of let's go Raptors chants. Lots of Raptors fans in attendance. Lots and lots of Raptors fans. Um, You know, you know, just uh, Bucks fans filing out early. Uh, you know, on what is likely their last home game of the season. You know, um, Raptors fans sticking around, chanting, let's go Raptors. Uh, <laughs> at one point, like, the, in the you know, the arena was, like, 95% empty. Most of it was Raptors fans chanting. And then there's, like, I look to my right, and there's, like, a, literally one man in his own section, one Bucks fan, like, screaming, go home, go home, you guys, go home. And I'm just like, this is this is so sad. This is so sad. And uh, you know, on you know, you got Drake at Jurassic Park. You got Drake. You know, it's it's funny how much Drake has become important in this series. Not because of like what Drake is doing. Like Drake does this stuff every game. Like it's it's funny to see Bucks fans freak out like this when Bucks literally like, like yo like like do people not know Drake has a locker in the locker in the Raptors locker room do they not know he's the global ambassador do they not know have they not seen the memes of him reaching out and touching Bruno who really didn't want to be touched at all like did he did did they not see all the memes of like Drake like whispering in players ears like the one where he clapped in a what was it uh Justin Hamilton or Justin uh Justin Holiday's ear uh with the with the with the Bulls and then um Holiday actually turned up, you know, committing a five-second violation. Like, Drake's on the broadcast. Drake's very involved. When when Drake's at the game, Drake's going to be doing shit. And so, for, for Bucks fans to flip out because he gave Nick Nurse a massage, it's not like it's not even like Drake did anything specifically to um, a Bucks player or a Bucks coach. Nothing. It was just they took so much exception. Like, oh, he shouldn't be able to jump up and down? What? Like, be excited as a fan? By the way, if you want, if we're if we're if we're talking about what Drake's doing on the Raptors sideline, I mean, I mean, what Gucci Man was doing on the Bucks sideline today, I mean, he was up, he was standing, he was you know throwing the ball around, having an extended conversation with uh, Tony Brothers on extended you know on during timeouts and stuff. Like, if we're talking about fan behavior, I mean, you know, you got to call it two ways, right? You got to call it two ways. So, um, it's just funny. It's funny. It's it's funny seeing Drake. Uh, a clap back at who was it? Uh, the 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 Bucks co-owner Mark Lazarus. No, no, the other guy, Wesley Eden or something. I don't know. The one of the owner's daughters was at the game. She she sat beside Aaron Rodgers. She wore a Pusha T T-shirt. Oh, that's cool. Ha <laughs> ha. Remember that like that 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 controversy from like a year ago? Wow, what a timely reference there. Um, and then you know, and then again taking the loss and Drake, you know, mocking her for it. Like you know. It's tough scenes. It's tough scenes in Milwaukee, I got to say. Real tough scenes. A lot of, a lot of people uh, real upset. And, uh, 
me personally, I'm, you know, kind of looking forward to not having to come back. You know, I actually kind of enjoyed my time in Milwaukee, but uh, as I left the arena, a Pfizer form, I looked to my right, and uh, there was uh, literally just the ruins of uh, the BMO Badley Center, like just piles and piles of just brick and concrete. Uh, it looks like a hellscape, and I'm thinking like, yeah, I don't need to come back here, so. Again, Raptors are one game one for the NBA Finals. Um, go celebrate. Come out to support the Raptors. Tell your parents to support the Raptors. Tell, you know, I mean, I, at this point, I, I don't know how the entire country is on the Raptors bandwagon by now. And um, come out to Jurassic Park. It's going to be beautiful weather on Saturday. And the Raptors, you know, you got a chance to close out in the six. And uh, what do you call what do you call a, a sweep after uh, going down 0-2? There's got to be some name for it, right? Like it's not gentleman sweep. It's not a. It's it's not just like a regular sweep. I don't know, but there there should be a name for it. But um, but yeah, the Raptors they're really about to do this thing. So many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Uh, I'll come back after uh, Game 6 to talk about that. I can't believe the Raptors are on the verge of the NBA Finals. Wow. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.